Hey, this is Pastor T.J. Earl at Knoxville Community Church. I'm so happy that you've decided to tune in with us as we are encouraged, convicted, and challenged by God's Word this morning. If you don't know anything about us, you can find more information at knoxvillecommunity.com or see us at Knoxville Community Facebook page and Instagram page. You can go there also if you'd like to partner with us financially to knoxvillecommunity.com. There's a button that says Give in the top right corner. We'd love to partner with you in any way we can. If you need prayer, you can shoot an email to prayer at knoxvillecommunity.com or shoot me an email at tjearl at knoxvillecommunity.com. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at AMC Theater on Millertown Pike. We would love for you to come and be a guest of honor and pray with us as we serve this community and try to see all those that are lost in this world find their home in Jesus Christ. We are beginning uh, our session in this next four weeks of me, we, us, uh, what I would say relationship uh, 101 in a lot of ways. Uh, This is not like some sort of marriage conference where there'll be a week spent on marriage, yes, but this is not uh, something that I've drawn out and written to say this is exactly what that's for. This truly is and has been a reminder for me about relationships 101. That's from Every type of relationship, the core that we'll talk about today, friendship, things like that, and then into singleness next week. And you say, how can we talk about relationships and singleness in the same sentence? Of course we can, and I'll explain that next week as well. We'll talk about dating. Several of you uh, that have either walked through dating or in the midst of dating or will be dating, why that's important for you to understand Uh, and looking into marriage in the final week. This relationship 101, and I think it's important for us to understand today this core foundation, this bottom framework, understanding relationships before we move into everything else because this is the root, the creation of relationships. One of the worst punishments that has ever been inflicted on the human being is exile or isolation. Now, some of you moms may disagree and think that that's not punishment. Um, Isolation sounds like a good thing to you. (laughs) Doug and Leanne are on their way out the door today for a well-deserved day and a half off or so, probably deserve more than that. Uh, But uh, moms understand that importance, even dads as well. Isolation can be good, but I am talking about pure exile, isolation that is put away. This is something that has been done for thousands of years. In prison, one of the worst punishments is to put someone in, uh, in like uh, into the hole, is what they would call it, or in solitude, or put them away. Uh, if you did something bad enough and they throw you in the hole in this dark pit with nothing but just yourself for days at a time. That's one of the worst punishments that you could go through. Hundreds and hundreds of centuries ago, they would exile people for punishment and strand them on an island. That was a punishment, that you would go to an island by yourself. That's where we find John the Revelator uh, in Scripture, where he has been exiled to an island. It's torture, because uh, what happens to the human mind and body when it is completely isolated... And for some, uh, it may take a little while, but eventually it gets a bit tortuous. Someone like myself, rather than it taking some time, I would begin to panic immediately. 
right? Uh, I know myself well that I need people around me. It took Tom Hanks a few weeks before he made a friend out of uh, the volleyball. It would have been just as the sun was setting on the first day and I would already be having dinner with like crabs and coconuts and leaves and everything else that I would have made my own community because of my desire and need for relationship. We're not made to be without community. We're not made to be without partnership and relationships. I'm not talking about just marriage. So when we talk about relationship and community and partnership, yes, indeed, that is a strong foundation of where marriage should begin. But I'm talking about being together with other like-minded people. That's what we were created to do. So don't hear me say that singleness is not a good thing because you can't say singleness is a good thing, but you have to have partnership. We've got to separate what partnership and relationship and all this stuff means is not just about marriage. It's what God has gifted to us being together in this room. The partnership that we provide to one another. I'm talking about survival with other humans day in and day out. A support system. Like-minded thinkers and people to cry with, laugh with, and love with. So let's look at the very beginning of Scripture. I want to try to be consistent in how we approach this. As you guys know, um, I'm not much of a topical speaker. I tend to be verse by verse, um, as I think is appropriate a lot of times. It's not that there's no ever a need for topical sermons. I think Jesus preached topically many times. But uh, you can't use your points, and I think some of the issues with topical sermons and whether we're talking about marriage is I'm going to make my points, right? And then I'm going to force that upon Scripture to back me up. And I'm going to make Scripture say what I need it to say. That's where people kind of fall into this trap. I want to look at Scripture first and then come out here and say topically how this is important for us. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 verses that we're familiar with in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and it was void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters then God said let there be light and there was light and God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. This is the very first account of the beginning of time. As someone who writes sermons each week, writes dozens of letters to attorneys each week, I can tell you that the hardest and most important part of any of that, Paul, you'd probably agree, is getting the intro correct. Getting the intro right. Because that's what starts you in the direction of everything else in the body. And so this intro (coughs) that is brought in, you better believe the intro to Scripture has, and, and all of Scripture is important. There's not one part of it that's more important than the other part. All of it is God's words. But this intro, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what is said here, if all of this account and why it's so important that you can't just say, hey, evolution's a thing, but I want to be a Christian as well because that's kind of a hot thing now and is happening a lot. You can't miss the intro of Scripture and then be okay with the rest of it. 
So God is setting this foundation. We have the beginning here. God is starting at the very beginning of all creation, and it's a crucial moment, one that has to be done to perfection. Of course it is, because God does nothing that isn't perfect. Everything he does is good. So each day he would create something, and then he would look at it, and he would say, it is good. In our last Bible study together, uh, Doug asked a important question that a lot of people, I think, look past. And what does it mean when God looks at something and says, it is good? Right? And I, we're not talking about the uh, Bruce Almighty, the it's good, you know, the, the funny movie. And he's just saying, because we hear it's good. God created everything and he said, hey, that's pretty good. That's kind of the idea we have in English. And it's not good, like, hey, you're a good boy. It's not good, like, hey, that pizza was good. The word, the Hebrew word, tov, it is a signal of completion. So rather, God is looking at creation itself, each thing that he creates, and he says, it is whole, it is complete, it's right. So that's the idea of it is good. So God looks at these things, over and over again, he says, it is good, it is good, it is complete, it is whole. But after God has created everything and he said everything is good, we have the first account where God looks at something and what does God say in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18? He says, then the Lord God said, after he had made Adam, he said, it is not good. So, no tov, it is not complete. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. I think the words here are important because you have over and over again God saying, I created this, I looked at it, it's good. I created this, I looked at it, it is good. I create man, I look at it, man is good, but he's by himself. This is not good. It's the first account of God saying, it is not good. It is not complete. People may analyze this and say, how can God make something that isn't good? And that's not what he was saying. That's the misinterpretation. He is saying that man and outside of God was alone with the animals, and that was not complete. From the very beginning, you and I were made to be in partnership with one another. Now, Adam was made in the image of God. And at this point, there was no sin. There was nothing that Adam could do that God had not created him to do. Technically, you could say he is the only person ever who really lacked anything. He was created by God, no sin. He had perfect creation around him. He had God wandering in the garden. What else did he need? It's one of the few people ever that could say, I have everything that I need right here in front of me. God's created it. It's good. Everything's great. This is a great time. I'm naming animals. I'm learning how to do all this stuff. But yet God looks and says it's not good. God knew, and I would suggest that Adam even knew, this important truth and our first point for us to have this foundation, Relationships 101, you and I were made for partnership. 
You and I were made for partnership. It seems like an obvious thing, but it's important to know that this truth, before we dive into the different types of relationships in our life, whether you're single, dating, or married, you were designed to live in partnership. The most miserable people in life are the ones who have isolated themselves or been isolated by others. When I was uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my career and what we were going to do to support ourselves, many of you know that I worked at Max Pharmacy and uh, honestly it was a fantastic job that I loved. Like I'd just listen to podcasts all day and I would drive all across the city and just deliver people their drugs. Uh, and so it was um, a great play. I got to meet so many people and if you know me, uh, it would take me a long time to get through stuff because as I built relationships with people, I would sit there in their living room or wherever and we'd talk about what's going on in their life. And not just because I enjoyed it, but honestly, every few weeks, these people that I would meet with, sometimes I'm the only person that visits them throughout an entire year. Their family's either gone or have left them there. If you think about here on Whittle Springs, <clears throat> the Whittle Springs Towers that are over there, so many of them that live in isolation, that can't get out, don't have anything, don't have any money, don't have any family. And so I took it as ministry in my own life to enjoy spending time and going and seeing them light up. And <clears throat> boy, would they bottle it up. I mean, I, would, I knew several people that I had to mark and know I got to get this stuff done first because once I go there, I'm going to be there for a while. And they would have, you know, old candies and old food and things they'd give me and uh, it would do their heart well and it would honestly do my heart well because it was fulfilling to me. But even in those situations, I saw the need, the desire, and God's creation speaking out of them of the need for relationship. Even the most miserable ones. Even the ones that people don't want to be around. If they were honest with you, they would say, I need someone to care. I need someone to talk to. I need someone to encourage me. I need someone to love me and support me. Right? And this is not about marriage. And as I would go from room to room to room, the sickness that they were dealing with, the medications that they were on, cancer, diseases, all those things are horrible, but the things that we can control, the things that they wanted and the desire they had was for partnership. I don't care if you're the most introverted or the most extroverted person in here. There is a need for partnership, some maybe more than others. But God has made us for that. Now, partnership is a gift from God and it's one that each of us should partake in, right? You don't just get a gift, look at it and say, all right, and put it away in the closet. Otherwise, that's not partaking in the gift. Someone gave you that to be used to enjoy because they knew it would be good for you. God gave us the gift of partnership. God could have displayed himself in any way that he pleased. But God displayed himself in the original language in the word Elohim. Now, you can read into this word a lot. 
And some people will dissect this word Elohim and say that God was displaying his trinity. And I don't know if that's exactly true. I do know the word Elohim is plural, okay? We're not debating that. It's a plural noun. But it is used with a singular verb. And I believe the word Elohim, uh, its plurality is more in the sense talking about the greatness and majesty of God than it is that it's God's, plural. You and I both know, if you're a believer in here, we're not polytheists, right? We don't believe in multiple gods. We believe in, we're monotheistic. We believe in one God. Displayed in three persons, the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Holy Spirit, and God the Father. But we're monotheistic, right? We're not, we don't worship three gods, we worship God. But this word Elohim that is displayed in the plural, and John himself, right? We've been going through John, and what does John say in verse 1 of chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we know the Son of God, right, which was Jesus came, uh, uh, when the Son of God came to Mary, Jesus came. The Son of God was with God the Father at creation. God could have displayed himself in any way that he wanted. But he displayed himself how? In community. The Holy Spirit, the Son of God, and God the Father. Yes, there are some question marks, small question marks there as we try to explain the Trinity. And you can give me every analogy that you want. I can probably crack a hole in it somehow and say that's not exactly right. Like people like to use the egg. Like, you know, you've got the yolk, you've got the white, and you've got the shell. Okay, well, that's a little bit of modalism. All right, and then we can go over here and we can take all this stuff and break it apart. But we do know God displayed himself in three persons. And I think it's an incredible thing that God himself, lacking in nothing, lacking in nothing, looks to you and me and says, even I display myself in community, in partnership. So what does that say about you and I? That you and I certainly can't make it on our own. If God himself in his deity and his greatness displays himself in three persons. <coughs> So if we're on the same page here, do we understand this concept? Do we understand the concept that I'm driving home? We've heard it said, and we've heard it said over and over again, no man is an island, but I really want you to understand you and I are to partake in and we're designed for partnership. It's not just a human desire, it's a created design by God. Because if we don't get this relationship 101, then you're going to find issues in singleness, dating, marriage, all of those things that you and I were made for partnership. Like anything in life, though, there is a right way to cultivate, create, and maintain partnership and relationships, and there is a wrong way. If you can't do this correctly, you'll never find happiness, joy, or God's purpose in singleness, dating, or marriage. Unfortunately, for the human race, as long as relationships and partnerships have been built, they have had their own issues. What's the very first partnership that we have? 
in Scripture? Anybody want to answer? God says it's not good that he's alone. Adam and Eve, right? God says it's not good. We create Eve. So Eve comes. Adam says, whoa, man, right? We've got woman that is created, his perfect partner. But look in chapter 3. God has said, you should not eat from any tree of the garden. Verse 2, the woman then says to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it its fruit, and she ate. She gave also to her husband with her, and he falls himself, right? Did not force him to, but he partakes and eats. Second point today, we talked about there's a good way to do relationships, a bad way to do relationships. Relationships from God, right? That's the key uh, um, prepositional phrase there. Relationships from God never separate you from God. If it's a relationship that separates you from God... It is not a relationship from God. Are you tracking with me? Eve is faced with a relationship or partnership opportunity here. She already had Adam. But who comes along? Slippery serpent. I don't know if he wasn't slippery at that point. I guess he was crawling at that point. Comes crawling along. The devil's going through the garden and she's faced with a decision. She could rely on the relationships that God has provided her in Adam or she could hear from the devil himself like what he has to say and rely on what he wants her to do and separate herself from God if she would have stayed planted in the fact that she had all the relationships she needed in God and her helpmate Adam if she would have remained planted in that, then it would not have mattered what the devil said. He could have said everything that he had, given his best tricks, but rather she wavered in that and she forgot about the fact that God had already gifted her that partnership and she went over to what sounded good in the moment. Rather, she makes a poor relational decision. She finds herself ashamed, cursed, and separated from God. Now, if you've been alive long enough, you found yourself in a similar situation, I would imagine. You've had people that you have welcomed into your life. Bless you. You've had people that you've welcomed into your life. They have nothing but negative impacts on your life. They've taken you farther away from God. They've made you the person that you know that you are not. They've caused you to doubt everything that you know to be true. Somebody say amen. 
Thank you. Because if you've lived long enough, you've witnessed relationships like that. You've had people come into your life that brought nothing but poison into your life. That doesn't make you imperfect. That makes you a human. It happens. I'm ashamed to say and to admit that not only have I welcomed those people into my life before, I, as a young 20-something-year-old, was actually that person. I've caused toxicity. I have made people who they were not created to be. Say it isn't so. It is. Assessing relationships that you have in your life is important. Doing an evaluation of what is bringing you closer to God or further is important. Teenagers, young 20-year-olds here, it is very important for you in this stage of your life that you analyze the people that you are allowing to speak into your life, the people that you're allowing to be and take partnership in your life, as it does set a course for where you're heading. It is okay to say to some people, this is not a relationship for me. This is not good for me. Right? What did I say? Relationships from God do not separate us from God. So if you analyze those relationships and you've got a relationship that is separating you from God, guess what God is saying? That's not from me. Don't partake. You don't have to be a jerk about it. Don't be that person that goes up to someone and says, God told me not to be your friend. Go away. That's not what we're saying. But distance yourself. Begin to walk away from that. They'll get the point. They'll understand. And don't just go into isolation. Find someone else who does bring you closer to God. Right? I feel like we look at you guys as younger because I've, I've gone through the church in your age. I've got, and we only talk to you about dating. We only talk to you about marriage. We only talk to you about what that looks like rather than saying to you, relationships in general, regardless of what's in your future, this is important for you to know how to make relationships, how to hold on to relationships, how relationships can be a gift from God to bring you closer to him. I would not be here preaching to you today if it weren't for some of the core relationships that God had gifted to me in my life. I'm probably one of those relationships away from not even being in the church altogether. Think about that. And tell me that God has not just absolutely given us the gift of partnership. It only gets worse in creation here, we get and we look in chapter 4. It says again, she gave birth to his brother Abel after she had had Cain, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord and of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their Fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will your countenance not be lifted up? And if you do not so well, 
sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. I do like this. This is a sermon in and of itself on sin, control of sin. Like, I think we write off the fact so many times now in these days that sin is here for everybody, and it's just kind of part of it, and we live with sin, but God will forgive it one day. God does tell us, just as he told Cain in those days, yes, sin is there, but it is your duty. It is your responsibility and your work and your discipline to say you will master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where's, your, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain was more concerned with how Abel pleased the Lord rather than focused on himself pleasing the Lord. Cain could have been happy for Abel. Cain could have looked at what Abel had done for the Lord and said, well done. Help me grow in this situation so that my offering will bring great regard to the Lord. But rather, Cain did not. So this is the beginning. We have relationship here with Adam and Eve that bring sin and curse into the world. Their two children kill one another. Like we're already starting and we're seeing the effects of sin and how what God had created in partnership is now already turning. So Cain kills Abel. We forget already about the gift that God had given. Man's relationship gets so bad. All right, and this is a tough phrase in Scripture, but right before the flood, things are getting so bad that God says, I regret making them. Now, <clears throat> that's another phrase that we could get into a whole sermon about. What do you mean? How can God regret something? That means God made a mistake? Uh, let me try to explain it this way. I do not have pleasure in punishing Trip. I hope everyone knows that. I love Trip. I wish I never had to punch him. Sometimes, like boys do, like his daddy did, we find ourselves in a little bit of disobedience, making bad choices. And I have to punish that, just like my father punished me. And I can remember times when I was punished as a kid and my dad telling me, I wish I didn't have to do this. I probably rolled my eyes and thought to myself, sure looks like you, you know, enjoy it or whatever. But as, you know, or just said like, okay, good, we agree. Don't do it then, right? But sometimes we know for their betterment, we have to do that. I regret that I have to do this. Is the sense of what God is saying. No, I don't regret this, but I regret in my heart as God the Father that what I'm about to have to bring across. I love them enough that I'm going to provide a boat for them, an escape for them, of which he knew they would not partake. So, okay, God kind of erases a lot of this, destroys the earth with a flood, so relationships are going to start off on a good foot moving forward, right? It didn't take but a few seconds for Noah and his family to get off the boat and things go south. And then all of a sudden, and this just tells you right here how powerful partnership and relationships are. 
people get together, they make brick into stone, and they are, they, they're speaking the same language. They're getting so incredible. They say, let's make a name for ourselves, and they build the Tower of Babel. And God's like, what in the world? What is happening here? So he has to separate them and make them speak different languages. Why? Because they never remember the fact that relationships are a gift from God and to be used for his glory and not for their own edification, not for their own good, not to separate them from God, but to bring them closer to God. Abram and Lot, Jacob and Esau, we could spend all day going through the Old Testament and see the how-not-tos of partnership and relationships, but we don't have that kind of time. Now that we've talked about the negative aspects, I want us to talk about the beautiful gift that God has given us in partnership. And I want to end today by going to a portion of Scripture that we covered when we went through Acts together, if you remember. And I want us to focus on what it is and how God desires every relationship and every partnership that we have to be designed and created and carried out. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. This is right after Pentecost. Peter's sermon. We see this incredible revival take place. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had, been, who had believed uh, were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have needed. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. If something happened to me, if something happened to my family, my children, my wife, think about last year when uh, we're coming up on a year really right now of when Rachel was in the hospital uh, for uh, a couple weeks and everything that happened we had, other than Rachel's health, a need for nothing. We were completely provided for, taken care of. If something happened to me today, I know that even in this small room, all of my needs would be met. That if there was a true emergency, I think about, like, there's probably no one that has more of a strong desire right now to, like, get out of here and go vacate is with like Leanne and Doug and they're about to enjoy their time together. But I promise you that if there was a true emergency, they would drop everything. And Doug's probably thinking, no, I wouldn't. But I know he would. That's why I love him. As I would do the same for anybody that I have this strong relationship and partnership with. 
And I told you we're laying this groundwork for singleness, dating, and marriage, and relationships. This statement here is the underlying truth that we have to remember, whether it's analyzing relationships, thinking about our marriage, dating, anything in our life. Godly relationships are a blessing from God designed to give glory to God and bring others to God. That is the foundational truth of partnership and relationships. Godly relationships are a blessing from God designed to give glory to God and bring others to God. This is the framework. So I want you to think about it this way. If it's singleness... Is the relationships that I'm partaking, the friendships that I'm partaking, the things that I'm entertaining in my life, is it seen as a blessing from God? Is it designed to give glory to God? Is it bringing others to God? You that are dating in here, is this a blessing from God bringing me close to Him, designed to give glory to Him, and does it have the potential of this unity bringing others to Him? And those of us in here that are married, does the aspects of your marriage, every day is not perfect, I understand. But as a whole, do you look and say, this is truly indeed a blessing from God? Do you look at your partner and say, you're a blessing from God? My wife wakes up every day and she says that. Do you use the opportunities of your marriage to give glory to God? And do you see the opportunities that he has given this gift to you in your life to bring others to him? It's not just a set of rules on how to do these things. Like this, I could use this statement for so many things. Why is homosexual, uh, homosexuality a sin and not designed for marriage? Right here. Nowhere in relationships or partnerships is it for your own creation, your benefit. It is a gift from God. You can't turn it to whatever you want it to be. Because your heart, your ways, when we take partnerships, it only takes a few days, right? God gives partnerships and relationships and immediately it starts going downhill. Do I need to recap the Old Testament again? What God has given for good, we've turned to evil. So I really am excited for the next three weeks. You guys know it's a little new for me, but I say singleness, dating, marriage, all those things as we get to dive in together. There will be things that you say, uh, hey, that is, is good and makes me feel good. There will be some things that I've already been working on these weeks that are kind of hard. <laughs> hard truths. I've gone through singleness. I've gone through dating. I've now, uh, as of this last week, nine years of marriage. Hopefully many, many, many more years. And so much more to learn. But it's not all easy because of that sinful desire that God looks at Cain and says, hey, it's waiting at your doorstep. But you've got to master it. The relationships that we build, they're for God's glory. Analyze the relationships that you have in your life this week. The ones that you're missing out on, go dive into those more. Like 
my my wife and I, we can always be working on, it's not just our marriage, our relationship and our partnership. What's underlying beneath that marriage? Chase and I talk just to talk in our friendship. Jim and I have random conversations just whenever to build our friendship and our, our partnership. Analyze those things this week as we build this foundation and begin this week. Uh, all of us have issues in all these areas. Be thinking about those that you can share with at your work, your family. I've seen many of you share on Facebook, and I appreciate that. And let's allow God to use this time in Scripture together to strengthen our partnership and our relationships together and our families as well. Father, we thank you for the gift of partnership. May we view all those things through your lens and not our own desires that the gifts of partnership and relationship that you've given us, Father, we would view it as a blessing from you, that in every way we would desire to bring glory to you through it. And God, whatever avenues that you open up in these partnerships, God, may we bring others to you as well. May we model Acts chapter 2, sacrificial partnerships, that consider others better than ourselves. One mind, one spirit, one body. And God, in this whole process, may you strengthen us, our marriages, strengthen us in our relationship with you, strengthen us in our families so that we could be a strong body of partners going out to this community going out to our city, to our workplace, to our homes, to see people brought to you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.